Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Do you feel churches should take on a more direct role in being an advocate for mental health? Would you like to see churches incorporate mental health-related topics with biblical teachings? In today's episode, Thurston Smith, a licensed addiction counselor, certified clinical supervisor, PhD candidate, and I discuss some challenges churches may face with implementing mental health awareness within their church and possible solutions to resolving these issues. Let's jump into the conversation. Let me just begin by offering some context as to what mental health is. Mental health is an inseparable component of general health, where both are equally impacting upon the other. So having said that, mental health is general health, and general health impacts mental health. And so secondly, There are a variety of factors, social, spiritual, environmental, which includes familial, which is the Latin word for family, hereditary, which is related to genetics and family, that impact health. In 2020 alone, there were an estimated 14.2 million adults aged 18 or older in the United States with severe mental illness. So that's number one, as it relates to the prevalence of mental health and mental illness in the United States. Secondly, in 2020, you may be alarmed by this, there were an estimated 52.9 million adults aged 18 or older in the United States with AMI. AMI is an acronym coined by the Department of, of Health and Human Services to describe any mental illness. And so, and this number alone, the 52.9 million adults age 18 or older, represents 21% of all U.S. adults. So what am I telling you? One-fifth of the population are walking around with mental illness, either undiagnosed or diagnosed that this is per the studies conducted by the Department of Health and Human Services. From a layman's perspective, this indicates to us that, A, the prevalence, problems, and prominence of mental health or mental illness in the United States is far greater than the average person perceived. And B, that we are interacting with people that are suffering from mental illness and mental health problems on a regular basis. Right. Thank you so much for sharing those statistics with us. I was reading an article somewhere and it said 87% of people who struggle with something, including mental health, find their way to the church because the church 
originally its its foundation is to serve the people, is to help the people, is to instill hope, right? That's correct. If that is the church overall job, the, the basis of their job, not the only job, why is it that our churches are not implementing a mental health ministry or mental health strategies to help support the congregation as well as the community? So that's my first question that I had when I was when I was reading and looking through all of these statistics. Right. right. And so the other thing that I, I ran into Lifeway Research is a organization that do a lot of studies regarding mental health in, in the church. One of the things that I read in their actual um, research is that 49% of pastors say that they rarely or never speak to their congregation about mental health illness. And so I was like, wow, you shared the statistics with us about how many people here in America suffer with a mental health illness. And literally a large portion of those people go to the churches that we attend. Correct. Correct. And so let me speak to both of those issues. And I will begin with the first one. And the first one suggests that the church is not addressing the mental health issues in the community and mental health issues amongst their parishioners. So allow me to meet you halfway with that. Okay. There are churches that have established substance abuse, mental health, and related ministries within the context of the church. Mm -hmm. So that's me meeting you halfway. I'm going to meet you the other halfway by saying that we can do, there's certainly opportunity for improvement and opportunities to grow in those areas. Secondly, there are three, at least three prominent factors or variables that have a direct relation to why, how, when their ecumenical leaders address mental health or mental illness. Number one is stigma. People tend to shy away from the concepts, any concept, if you will, relating to mental health and mental illness. And that's because of the societal stigma associated. Secondly, is because of misinformation and disinformation. And, and in fact, those two dynamics itself are abridged and or have a direct correlation to the stigma that I previously re represented. So misinformation, as you know, speaks to inaccurate information being shared about a given subject. Thus, we're talking about mental health, mental illness. And so oftentimes when we hear people discussing issues of mental illness, they are either minimizing it, justifying it, rationalizing it, and thus calling it something else and by and large attributing the symptoms and the behaviors or related to those symptoms as something that's abnormal in the context of, you know, the person, something's just out of whack with the person. When the reality of it is the out of whack that they're referring to is directly related to their mental health condition. This information 
on the other hand, this information is misinformation that's shared deliberately. That's the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Disinformation is, is misinformation, but it's often disinformation is, is information that's communicated often with the intent of creating confusion surrounding that subject. Right. And then lastly, this also correlates to misinformation and stigma. So there's a bridge between the last one and the other two. And that is the broad and overall lack of understanding among ecumenical leaders, pastors, clergy, and laity regarding what mental illness is. I've had the opportunity over the past couple of years, particularly since we've been in COVID, I've hosted community forums with the, you know, with the local mayor and the local health department and a variety of professionals around the country surrounding mental health. And the overall focus during these events have been mental health in the Black community. I've developed somewhat of a habit of sharing this, is that it would be beneficial if ecumenical leaders, church leaders, pastors, ministers, so on and so forth, would A, seek additional training and thus a broader understanding of what mental health is and what mental illness is. For example, if I'm a parishioner of a church and I have a heart condition, or if I'm parishioner of a church and I suffer from glaucoma, or if I'm a parishioner of a given church and I have diabetes, the pastor and the congregation will likely do two things. Number one, they'll offer prayer, which is invaluable. And number two, they'll say, go to a doctor, but not with mental health and substance. It's kind of interesting. There are a, a variety, and I've spoken to my colleagues that are in the ministry. Stop assuming just by virtue of your credentials and background, which is invaluable. So I'm not discounting that, but stop assuming that you are equipped with the skills to address complex mental health problems of your parishioners simply because you are a pastor. And I always use that paradigm and that example is if you have a member of your church that suffers with some type of other medical condition, and keep in mind, mental health disorders are medical condition. If as a pastor, you have members of your church that have some type of health care disorder, you offer prayer. You don't try to treat their medical condition. You refer them to a qualified professional. That's another element that's missing. And, and to some degree, some of my colleagues in the ministry struggle with that. They, right. they really do. Many of them think that they are fully equipped to address the mental health complexities of their parishioners. So I always use that example and that paradigm. How do you address your parishioners' other or general mental, uh, medical condition? Right. I love the way that you broke that down and identifying the root cause, which is stigma, and then also the lack of education. They are so deeply tied into each other. And we as a community, we as um, mental health professionals, I feel like it is our job to educate. And we do that. 
it's our job to educate and it's our job to break down those stigmas within the community. The other component to that is when you are dealing with the church and again, you go to school, you learn, you study, and we are not discounting anybody credentials in, in, in hard work. But sometimes I feel that our credentials and our titles get in the way of us being open-minded about making change, real change, true change when it's needed. And it's really hard to say, you know what? Well, I don't have the answers to that because in the church, we have been taught that all the answers lies within the Bible. You can pray your way out of anything if you just believe and put faith in in God, the man upstairs, right? You know, we hear that a lot. But one of the things that I actually did was um, I actually gave mental health Mm -hmm. workshops to a few local churches. And one of the things that I pointed out was exactly what you said was, if I have something going on with my heart, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to call the cardiologist or my primary care physician. And I'm going to say, hey, something is going on here. I need help. James 2 and 14 says, faith without works is dead. So I believe and I can pray all day and I can read my scripture and I can have that connection with God. Right. But if something needs to be done, I need to be able to take action in doing those things. And that is absolutely correct. And allow me to meet you halfway. Once again, there has been quite a bit of research that has been conducted that encompasses the field that you and I are in as health and human services and the domains of ministry that give considerable value to the impact of prayer on an individual's well-being. Prayer is an indispensable aspect of my life, and I cannot begin to describe to you how profound the impact of prayer has been on my life. Even Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. And whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, saith the Lord, or seen in me, saith the Lord, put into practice. So prayer is valuable, but prayer does not mean that you pray and do nothing. And if I can add on to that, sitting still and doing nothing are entirely two different things. So number one, where you and I are in clear agreement is that the church needs to do more. Second, members of the faith community need to seek more training to A, improve and increase their understanding of mental illness and its complexity. And that that operative word is complexity. And C, recognize what their limitations are as members of the faith community as it relates to addressing and responding to the mental health conditions of of the parishioners in their community. 
And keep in mind, when we start talking, and just for the sake of your listening, when we start talking about mental illness and all of the arms and spokes of the wheel that's connected to it, we're talking about like essentially five or six categories. Category one are mood disorders. That includes depression, manic depressive disorder, general depressive disorder, bipolar disorder. Secondly, are anxiety disorders. The third category is personality disorders. The fourth category is schizophrenia and all of your psychotic disorders. Then you have eating disorders as a subcategory, trauma-related disorders, and then substance abuse. Part of the explanation that I provided to you earlier, the challenges that the church is experiencing in addressing mental health is merely a microcosm or a reflection of the same problems that we are experiencing in general society. And you have to keep in mind, because the church has historically always been the predominant source or centralized location to have our problem solved or addressed on one level or another, the weight of those issues, the weight of those matters, and the weight of those problems have still been directed toward the church. And so keep in mind, if you look at the the complex issues that we face in society, the reality of it is it's very difficult for the church to absorb all of those. But I still do not sway when I say alongside you that the church can do a much more effective job in addressing these issues. Right. I agree with you. For the listeners who who are out there, I want you to understand how mental health and how church tie into one another. If you look in some of the scriptures, you will see things like, don't give up. You are love. You belong. When we are struggling with a mental health illness, Some of the things that we feel is we don't fit in, we want to give up, or we feel useless, right? Or none of this matters. All of those viewpoints tie back to some form of a scripture in the Bible. For example, I don't fit in. Romans 12, 4 and 5 talks about belonging. I feel useless. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 talks about you are needed. That's why I felt that the need to bring this topic up for one, but then also say to people out there that's listening that the churches can do so many great things and they have the platform to stand on. Like you said, yes, they need the training. Yes, be a little bit more open-minded. Yes, let's break down some of these barriers when it comes to stigma and how we view mental health, it can be a really good thing if we invite people in to educate and talk about mental health illness. It can be a good thing if leaders of the church seek education about it and start implementing it into some of their sermons, you know, creating support groups, um, raising awareness in the community and doing all of those good things. Exactly. 
how we perceive and how we have, how we continue to perceive mental illness and, and substance use disorder. Let me not exclude that within the paradigm of mental health and mental illness, but how we perceive those issues and their causes often influences how we respond to them. Thus, we still look at people when we when we observe them that may be struggling with mental illness, we we may refer to you know, say, well, you know, they got a problem. Well, actually, they do have a problem, and the problem is mental health. We attribute many of these problems to poor decision making, to criminality, and a whole bunch of other explanations because we're merely lacking information. And it's kind of interesting that I that I use that phrase because my pastor is known for saying this phrase. People engage in speculation when they often lack information. Mm. So this is precisely why we need to have more prevention messages, more educational messages as it relates to mental illness. And then, you know, part of that stigma is, you know, people don't want to be coined that they're crazy. Right. And, but you got to keep in mind, if you look at the data that I presented to you at the onset of today's interview, what is really implying is that to, to the for the most part, we are all, all of us are walking around very unhealthy the right. entire country. And if I may add, we live in a very, very unhealthy society. I just got off, off the phone with one of my colleagues in Nashville, Tennessee, who's a therapist, discussing how this country that we live in is incredibly unhealthy. And we have trauma upon trauma. Not only is the trauma recurrent, but we tell people, so much to the extent that just roll with it and deal with it. It was not intended for us to live in a constant state of trauma. And there are three categories of trauma, acute, chronic, and complex. And there are some groups in America that represent extraordinarily high numbers in all three categories, mm -hmm. acute, complex, and chronic. Even amongst those of us, amongst the healthiest of those of us, we are all dealing with some level of trauma or the other. Now, imagine how difficult it is dealing with the traumas related to the society that we live in and the environment in which we find ourselves, in addition to having a diagnosable mental health condition. Right. That's what we're dealing with today. Well, listeners, there you have it. I know that this subject is a lot for us to unpack, but in short, our churches, again, have a great foundation to raise awareness and they can do it with the help of the community. They can do it with the help of other professionals. And so I employ all churches or if you have a minister, if you have a pastor, don't be afraid to talk about mental health. Don't be afraid to reach out for training. Don't be afraid to incorporate it into your your day-to-day -day practice within the church. Thank you so much, Thurston, for being a part of Elevated Voices podcast. And is it anything else that you would like to share? Don't be afraid or hesitant or ambivalent 
to seek help if and when you need it. And as it relates to yourself or even for your loved ones, don't assume anything, ask questions and seek guidance. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.